Welcome to another episode of the Modern Facilities Management Podcast, brought to you by Flowpath. I'm your host, Griffin Hamilton. This is the show where I interview industry experts who share their stories, strategies, and insights into modern day facilities management. From hospitality to commercial real estate and everything in between, we'll learn what it really takes to succeed as a facilities manager. Welcome to another episode of the Modern Facilities Management Podcast. Today's guest comes from Massachusetts. This is Phoebe Byerly. Phoebe, how are you doing? Good, thanks, Griffin. Thanks for having me. Of course. And Phoebe, I know that uh, we were just talking before the record button about uh, what you guys are doing that the U.S. Green Building Committee, which is going to be a little bit of a mouthful here. But uh, why don't you give the audience a little bit more uh, background on who you are and how you got into the industry and what exactly it is you do? Yeah, so um, I work for the U.S. Green Building Council, which is best known for the LEED Green Building Rating System uh, that many of you may have projects that have been rated uh, with. And we've been around for for several decades um, working on transforming the built environment, uh, both operations and new construction. Um, And we also spread to the community scale as well. Um, And at the Center for Green Schools, we're a program within the U.S. Uh, GBC. And our focus is on supporting and training those that are implementing sustainability at the school system level. So that might look like a green school lead lead school, or it might look um, like supporting best practices more generally for operating a green school. Now, how did you get into the space? Because that's such a, a niche uh, role there. And so I'm curious how you got into it. Yeah, I... Uh, blame my father, who is a, um, a a former contractor and worked at Cornell uh, University's facilities department. My brother's an architect. Our whole family has. Um, I, I joke that we're we have buildings in our genes. Um, and uh, besides that, I I went to school actually um, at Oberlin College, a liberal arts school, and studied environmental studies and psychology and. Um, had the privilege of working in a state-of-the-art green building there and sort of fell in love with how buildings can um, be be amazing like learning experiences as well as um, reduce the impact on the environment in, in big ways. Um, so I moved to Massachusetts and um, have kind of remained in that, that K-12 green school space, which is a niche and uh, it's a wonderful place to, to be working because there's lots of impact to have. I love it. Yeah. And that is something where I mean, we're going to be talking about something as we're forward thinking uh, about the changes that we've seen and what changes uh, we foresee coming up in the near future and what impact we could have. But you just mentioned that was something that you noticed uh, when you were in school was how a building can impact just the environment, the, I guess, the impact that uh, a green building has. And so that's an interesting thing to notice as you're, you're in environmental studies and psychology. Was that just because of what you, what you mentioned of that background of just being able to point out the details and be like, hey, this is something that, you know, I recognize that not many people do. Yeah, I mean, we're in buildings 90% of our time. Um, and so as a human, um, we interact with those buildings and those buildings interact with us, whether we like think about it that way or, um, or not. And I was really fascinated the, about how buildings impact people. 
Um, and in my work now, it's that, but also how can buildings be teaching tools for a K-12 school system? Um, because again, we're in classes are in schools in these buildings. Um, teachers don't have the resources to take their students um, on field trips all the time. So how can the the actual K-12 those the school building those four walls um, and also space outside be a teaching tool? Um, and there's amazing examples of of that happening, especially in partnership with a facilities division um, to really bring that that building to light for educators and for students. Yeah, and what would you say is one of the more unique uh, aspects of K-12 building in particular? Unique aspects? Um, I mean, I think one of the things that uh, one of my colleagues points out uh, is that we have an audience. Uh, those students are audience. They're, they're like your business uh, case, right? So they're, they're soaking up everything and um, an opportunity to really like change their behavior and change their uh, sustainability lifestyle um, while they're in, a, in that building. So that's one unique thing is that we have young people um, who are there to learn and we can use that opportunity to teach them about our awesome buildings, how to maintain them, what energy means, uh, what water conservation means, um, what an HVAC system is. Uh, there's a lot of opportunities, especially given the uh, challenges and workforce shortages in this space and facilities management space. Uh, there's there's some cool opportunities there to to engage young people in in our built environment. Yeah, um, there's also an opportunity to like uh, promote health, uh, which is I think a key key focus in COVID, especially is like our young people are more susceptible to. Um, to illness, to asthma. Um, and if our, our school buildings where we're spending a lot of time are not healthy, then our kids aren't going to be healthy. So there's a huge opportunity to make improvements there. Yeah. And that was actually, it's funny you mentioned that because you, you touch on COVID, right? And that being something that, again, is has brought the really movement of indoor air quality and that the importance of that to light and specific to the K-12 space majority of the, the schools that our kids are in aren't brand new buildings with brand new equipment. And so that is something where we're having to make these adjustments and ensure that we're doing, you know, the little things to, to make sure that our students and the faculty in these K-12 buildings are, you know, in a healthy environment. And so what has really been some major changes that you've noticed over the last couple of years with that focus on a green building sustainability due to COVID? I mean, I think the most obvious is just a focus on air quality. Um, we have seen a, a huge number of school boards and superintendents, uh, parent groups that, that are focused on um, understanding these issues and sort of demanding that their school systems take action on them. Uh, and I worked in Boston Public Schools for five years in the facilities division, did a lot of work on environmental health. And there's a, you know, there, there's a real challenge there with school systems not wanting to, to understand how their buildings are performing around health because there's a risk. Um, if they, depending on what they find, then they need to act, take action. And we've seen for way too long school systems avoiding that measurement and um, uh, transparency around that data. So that is changing uh, for sure. And, um, and just, you know, I think having teachers and staff understanding building systems a little bit more 
means that our buildings are going to be better performing longer term. So it's not just a couple people who understand or get that this is where your ventilation comes from. And it's important to open windows, you know, certain times of the year, but, um, you know, keeping in mind other implications, all of that um, makes for a healthier, better performing building overall. Yeah. And specific to indoor air quality, what are some steps that someone could take just to begin that process? Because to your point, not everyone, especially within K-12, is taking that step to address these issues. What can someone do to bring that to light? Yeah. Well, I mean, we were talking about this the other day on a, a webinar. We host monthly webinars uh, for our networks. We, we um, convene a peer networks to share best practices and host regular uh, content. So that's one way. Um, signing up for our newsletter list, um, getting in, engaged in those uh, those monthly webinars would be one way. Um, on that on that call, we were talking about um, simple ways of measuring. So using handheld devices, getting those in the hands of students potentially, uh, partnering with students to take measurements. And using a dashboard similar to, we have one called ARC, um, ARC Scoru is the, is the website, not ARC GIS. And, um, we have, uh, the ability to upload TVOC, CO2, um, as well as a whole slew of other, um, measurement, air quality measurements. And you can track those over one building or portfolio of schools over time. Um, and we have partnerships, or excuse me, we have, we have examples of schools that we've partnered with, um, where students are actually working with facilities and environmental health teams to take those measurements, upload that data and understand, okay, these, these classrooms are um, egregious. Um, you know, there's an issue here. We should probably take a look. Um, so that's, that's certainly one step is using ARC. It's a free tool, um, getting some measurement and, um, and, and uh, data there. Another is, um, uh, maybe joining our, um, our network that we're about to launch in, in, uh, June, which is similar to our sustainability leaders network. It's focused on environmental health professionals though. So HVAC technicians, folks who are like dedicated to, um, managing air quality and environmental health in schools. Uh, we're creating a peer learning community within those professionals around the country. So that'll be a really great opportunity to share best practices, understand what other school districts are doing. Yeah, that, that's great. And just understanding, uh, like you mentioned, just what is everyone else doing? Because I think a lot of people kind of looked around and said, okay, this is important. I get that. But what are other people similar to me, my school, my school district? What are what steps are they taking to make sure we've got this covered? And so that's going to be an excellent resource there. We'll certainly have that plugged into the show notes uh, for, for folks to access. But uh, beyond indoor air quality, what are some other big initiatives that you've seen pop up recently? Um, yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of focus on the on the building, so that's that's exciting. Decarbonization, going going off of fossil fuels to electric um, systems, is a huge one, and not, uh, depends on where you are in the country as to like how many case studies and examples there are, uh, but here in Massachusetts, uh, we're seeing pretty much every new school project striving for, um, being net zero energy. Um, so that's, that's a big one that impacts how, you know, the technology that's in buildings, how that's maintained, the type of systems, um, and changes the course of, you know, facilities management long-term in terms of, of training and understanding those, those technologies. Are you finding that 
older buildings or, or schools are trying to retrofit older buildings as well? Yeah, and I mean, New York City, for example, um, and also Boston, and there's cities that have uh, climate action goals. Uh, and if you're not addressing the existing infrastructure, you're never going to meet those goals because, um, you know, near these big cities aren't building many new schools. Uh, so New York City is doing a lot of investigation into how um, to retrofit those existing buildings, how to do that efficiently at scale. Um, DC is also looking at that, Washington, DC. So a lot of these big cities that have uh, progressive carbon reduction targets are, are really facing that. Big time. Yeah. And so a, another question I have surrounding those initiatives, because I think we're all thinking that where that is an investment, it's a long term investment where uh, and I'll defer to you on the data on, you know, what you could expect in that returns from a financial standpoint, but from, you know, the occupants in there with the students being you know front and center as well as faculty members. What are those benefits, again, beyond the financials uh, that one could expect when making those types of investments? Yeah, I mean, it depends on where you are in the country. Certain schools are actually finding that um, going electric right off the bat or even retrofitting um, with electric systems is cheaper, uh, depending on your you know utility uh, makeup and utility rates. In terms of additional benefits, I mean, there's there's the climate <laughs> um, I mean, basic like existence on this earth really um, is a huge benefit in my my opinion that we've we've got to make a, a shift quickly and so um, school buildings are like an awesome place to do that uh, one they use a lot of energy and again two you have this student body that uh, is watching and interested and can learn um, how to shift behavior and shift technology to be more environmentally friendly. Um, on, a, on a different note, I'd, the electric school bus um, effort, which is not buildings focused, but one of the really key benefits there, in addition to reducing our fuel emissions, is um, pollution and ag aggravating um, health impacts with students who are on the bus and also like standing around a bus. So um, there's, you know, these strategies to get off of fossil fuels and move towards a healthier, more environmentally friendly um, technology across the board has definitely has health impacts for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, kind of in that same uh, mindset, looking ahead, right, where I haven't really heard of too many school districts moving towards that electric bus initiative. Are there any other uh, ideas or initiatives popping up in the same neighborhood, I guess, that are, are having these types of impacts that maybe you have some more forward-thinking school districts investing in that are you would think would be more common in the years to come? Yeah, I always, I tend to look at higher ed um, as an example of where K-12 will be in the next five, 10 years or so. Um, and so decarbonization, electrification is definitely a key one. Um, a focus on, on um, like health and wellness and the whole like sort of integrated um, campus design or making sure that outdoor spaces are inviting and, and resilient. Um, the other one is is sort of focused on climate resiliency, unfortunately, um, as, as storms become more uh, prevalent and uh, for school districts to really um, figure out how to keep their doors open uh, given these changes in climate. I mean, in the Northeast, it might just be heat days and figuring out how to 
cool, keep your building cool when it's 90 degrees on, you know, a May 16th. Um, so these are, these are real things. So resiliency, um, climate resiliency, uh, environmental resiliency is, is absolutely another one. Yeah. And I'm from Florida and I know firsthand of just the impact that, you know, a large storm could have. And, you know, being more inland, we're not talking a catastrophic, catastrophic hurricane by any means. You're not going to have school during that. But the auxiliary benefit or impacts of that with flooding, uh, you know, trees being out, so on and so forth, uh, they're getting more and more frequent. And it's one of those things we are going to have to learn how to adjust to it. And what can we do to prevent, you know, long-term damage to the physical buildings we're going to. And in this case, making sure we have kids in school as long as possible. Yep, absolutely. And that's, you know, when it comes down to it, that's what the facilities directors are held accountable for. And um, so, you know, there's, there's funding at the federal government right now um, through the bipartisan infrastructure bill to focus on these issues. Um, electric school buses, there's billions of dollars that are allocated in that bill for, for e-buses, which also can be a solution for, for keeping the lights on. Actually, <laughs> they can be storage, battery storage um, in the bus yard in an emergency, uh, believe it or not. And there's also funding for resiliency projects, um, renewable energy. So um, right now there's there's an opportunity for school districts to really sort of start looking at planning for the future um, and being able to leverage and take advantage of some of these funds and partnerships that are popping up. So uh, yeah, in addition to those other things I mentioned, I think like looking at planning, taking a step back and really like understanding what are the needs of your buildings, whether it's from environmental health and air quality perspective or a climate perspective um, are going to set districts up really well to be able to take advantage of the resources um, that are out there. Yeah. And that's a great point because, it, you know, we talk to, a, you know, a lot of folks in facilities and I think what really makes a difference between a good and great facilities manager or director is that forward thinking mindset of, yes, I need to be reactive, put out these fires. I need to have my preventative maintenance strategy in place, but let's look longer than a quarter down the line. Let's look one, five, 10 years down the line. Am I setting up this entire organization or in this example, school districts, am I setting them up for success, both operating operationally and financially and you know having those resources available is just so much so very important uh and so with that where can someone find more information on the financial resources available yeah we actually um have been doing a lot of advocacy work on this area so helping k-12 schools in particular understand what um what funding is available for covid relief funds and the bipartisan infrastructure bill so our website, we have an article that uh, summarizes all of the opportunities for K-12 and um, also a recent webinar that we hosted, which uh, we can uh, share. You can access the recording online. Um, those are a good place to like summarize, um, summarize that work. And, um, you know, feel free to, of course, reach out and um, find, find us at the Center for Green Schools um, if you're interested in learning more or um, have questions. Be happy to 
to help. Yeah, we'll, we'll certainly have that in the show notes for uh, folks to access that because it is so very important where you can't just fall back on, oh, well, you know, I'm understaffed and I don't have the resources available. It's, you know, I can't help out with the staffing, but we can help out with some more information on the, how to get the resources that are available. So uh, absolutely love that. And I do have one last question for you that I, I ask everybody before I let them run. But uh, Phoebe, who or what has had the biggest impact on you and your career? And I think you, you gave a little bit of insight earlier, but I'll let you to address that again. Um, I mean, there's definitely been a number of people along the way in different capacities, but I think in terms of um, sort of the way that I think about uh, education and the environment and, and policy, environmental policy is probably David Orr, who was a professor at, at um, Oberlin College and is a um, thought leader in this space. So he really had an impact in my, my undergrad years. That's incredible. Yeah. yeah. And I'm just curious, are, do you, are you in contact still or, or staying in contact there of what they're, what they're up to? Yeah. Um, we run into each other occasionally at conferences or, um, we used to, um, or, or events and, uh, yeah. Um, it's a, it's a small world. The <laughs> green school space is a pretty small world. So I can we, imagine. We do stay in touch. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I certainly appreciate you coming on and sharing your story and uh, some really good action items that we could take uh, parting ways here. But again, thank you so much and looking forward to staying in touch. Yeah. Thank you, Griffin. Thank you so much. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Modern Facilities Management Podcast. Make sure to subscribe for future episodes and follow us on LinkedIn for more facilities management content. 